Hi everyone, welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host Bill DeFilbo, joined by my co-host Nick Polak. Nick, how you feeling? Uh, are, are you off the high of the win over Ohio State yet? Um, considering I've had work for two days now, yes. But when at the end of work today, one of my coworkers was asking me about the game, so I got to kind of relive it for a few moments again, and that kind of brought me back up a little bit. And also, I'm sitting here right now eating. Um, Rustig's Roseberry Ice Cream. So I'm thinking about Penn State and think about that win. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's just been so much fun these last couple of days to uh, to, to kind of just sit back and just enjoy what this feeling is like because I, you and I have both seen some really big wins in Beaver Stadium, of course, but we've never seen anything like that. And my favorite story that anyone has told was uh, Dan Vesselio. He's an he's an educator at uh, Texas A and M, and a football player on A and M went up to him on Monday, gave him a bro hug, and asked how he was feeling after the weekend. Like this is a game that resonated across college football. Like watching Penn State win this game was it was amazing. It was something I will never forget. It's something I'm sure Nick will never forget. Uh, and I also think we're not going to forget it because Nick and I have gone back and uh, we both watched the game a second time because you get that perspective of watching from your couch and you can maybe see some things a little bit differently than what you saw when you first watched the game. Uh, Nick, for you, when you went back and watched the game again, what was the thing that really stuck out? I'd say that the defensive line was actually even more disruptive yep. than I felt they were um, in person, which I didn't think was possible, but they were everywhere. I mean, they were in there on every single play, and it was incredible to watch. I mean, it. I, I don't know where they came from. I don't. Yeah, like, I when I was going back and watching, that stuck out to me, and the thing that was so fun was you could see what the defensive ends were trying to do on every play. they were it, it didn't even seem like they were trying to get to Barrett necessarily. It just seemed like they were trying to get past him to force him up in the pocket a little bit and then let Kevin Givens and Ryan Buckholz, who played some uh, snaps at tackle, uh, Robert Windsor, the Cothrans, just dudes like that really eat. And that was... I, I mean, who, who were the uh, I mean, Sickles and Givens were the two players that made PFF's Big Ten tem- Team of the Week, correct? Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. But it seemed to me like they could have made that list yeah, I, of defensive te- linemen. They could have picked three, four, five Penn State defensive linemen. I, can you remember a performance against a team that had a pulse along the offensive line, anything like that? Because I really just can't. Um, I mean, wait, can I, like, a performance this year? I mean, in a while. Yeah, well, I mean, last year we, I mean, with yeah. the three guys we had on the defensive line, we kind of saw a lot of that. But I don't think, we never, See, the I'm, thing, I'm not sure yeah. the last time I remember the last time I've seen all four yeah. guys and everyone who rotated in yep, make an impact. Yeah, yeah so that, in, yeah, go ahead. in that regard, no, I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe back to like the Devin Still, Jordan Hill, Daquan Jones days. Um, so like three-ish years ago, maybe. But I can't remember the last time I've seen 
I mean, it was a good like eight guys deep that were going in there and getting pressure at every point in the line. I mean, we saw. I mean, we could literally go down the list. We saw Sickles. We saw Buckles. We saw Sharif Miller. We saw Evan Schwan. We saw Torrance Brown. We saw Parker Cawthorn. We saw Curtis Cawthorn. We saw Tyrell Chavis. We saw Robert Windsor. We saw Kevin Givens. We saw. Uh, I don't know. That might be all of yeah. them. But I mean, that that every single guy that came in on that defensive line did something positive. Yeah, guy. Uh, just a list of the guys who got tackles for loss that uh, were on the defensive line. Garrett Sickles, which, I mean, we cannot say enough about how we played once he got in. And listen, if you're going to get suspended, that's, I mean, you might as well get suspended for a reason that makes fans go, you know what, if he's getting suspended for something, it's not that bad. And missing a class on a Friday is, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a new one, definitely. But uh, Sickles got three and a half. Sharif Miller, who was really, really disruptive, like his first big game, he just comes in, and uh, he was a terror off the edge, and you have to be excited for him going forward. Evan Schwan was, of course, in there on the game-winning sack of JT Barrett, Torrance Brown, uh, Parker Cawthorn, Kevin Givens. All those guys registered at least half a tackle for loss. And I know coming into this game, one of the concerns was up front, the fact that Ohio State's offensive line was really, really good. I... I, from top to bottom, Penn State's defensive line, it it set the tone for that game. And considering that coming into this week, one thing that I think I wrote, you know, a dozen times was that I was worried about the youth and inexperience and the fact that Penn State is constantly getting new dudes and trying to get new dudes onto the offensive line. Uh, defensive line, apologies. And they were able to do that in a way that I... Like, it just doesn't make sense how they were able to do that. It was fantastic. Uh, for me, when I went back to watch, uh, I'm also going to stay on the defensive side of the ball, but I think that we need to give a special shout-out to Penn State's pass defense. This is something that Andrew Callahan from 24-7 pointed out, but with how Penn State was just playing, playing shell games all over the place on defense and just trying to confuse... Uh, confused Barrett constantly. They were putting Grant Haley and John Reed, especially in situations where they were saying, you got to lock this man down. And of course, Ohio State had some run issues in the receiving game. But when I go back and look at JT Barrett's box score, 28 for, 50, for 43, 245 yards. His yards per attempt, he... he I, it was probably something like five or six yards per attempt. I'm, I can't do the math off the top of my head right now, but we know that the secondary is probably the strength of Penn State's defense, Nick, and that was something that I thought really resonated on Saturday because that's that defensive line, it was getting pressure partly because Barrett had nowhere to throw other than his check down. Yeah, so we knew that Penn State's secondary was very good. At least we thought they were. Obviously, they were outstanding last year. But then there was the element of, okay, now what's going to happen now that Nassib, Johnson, and Zettel are gone? And through the first six weeks of the season, we, I mean, Penn State's passing defense numbers were stellar. They were outstanding. But it was, I mean, pretty much every team they played were running the football teams. 
Like, not a single team that they played until Ohio State here really tested them through the air. So while we had an idea that they were good, I mean, we know the guys out there, we know what they can do, we saw them last year lock down receivers constantly, we didn't really have a sense for what they were this year. And, of course, the pass rush on Saturday night helped for sure, but I think that we can pretty like definitively say now that this pass defense is very very good oh, yes. and definitely one of the top uh secondaries in the big 10 for sure and i mean that's pretty incredible when you think about how far especially the cornerback position how far they've come from where they were with the sanctions oh, and God. guys i mean even going back a few years guys like Adrian Amos and Jordan Lucas kind of started this trend of really being lockdown players in the secondary. And now, I mean, as much as I rag on Malik Golden, he's been mostly very good this year. Oh, yes. Um, Marcus Allen isn't... He's really... I mean, I know we, he was compared to Cam Chancellor as a freshman. Um, obviously, that's very high praise, but... The thing that reminds me of Cam Chancellor, specifically of Marcus Allen, yes, I know, Seahawks reference, but the thing that really resonates with me in that comparison between those two is the fact that Allen, like, he's a safety by name only. He's really like a fourth linebacker. Yeah. Like, that's what he does, and that's what Cam Chancellor does. He's an enforcer, he plays up near the box, and he makes big hits, and his main con- contributions come from the run game. Yeah. And I, that's that's what Allen is. And it doesn't really work unless you have a great, uh, partner back at the uh, other safety position and he's found that this year in Malik Golden and it seems like they have some guys who will be able to step in next year as well because um, Golden's a senior isn't he? I be- yeah he's one of yeah. the uh, I-, I believe the <laughs> I- we've said this a few times but the only seniors uh, assuming nobody goes pro the only players that the defense is going to lose are Evan Schwan, Brandon Bell and Malik Golden which is terrifying especially when you go back and watch how i mean everyone who was playing against ohio state had somewhere between a good and an outstanding game yeah um but yeah and obviously the corners just all year have been out i mean john reed gets better every single snap of every single game he is an incredible incredible cornerback and i mean we saw it coming when he was a recruit you could just tell watching him play high school football, he was miles ahead of everyone he played against. Plus, there's the but whole then, you know film thing, which is I mean, yeah. when people were saying you watch more film than Peyton Manning. You watch you watch a lot of film. Yeah, and then obviously Grant Haley's been great this year. Um, as someone who we're, Penn State's getting back this week, Amani Oruarie has also been great this year. So it'll be fun to see him get back. Uh, Jordan Smith been performing well when he's had to get in there. So I mean, really, that secondary has been unbelievable. Yeah, and. I liked how you mentioned that Allen, I mean, I think that when you hear someone talk about a safety, the immediate response is, oh, they must be a really good center fielder. Uh, But that's not really Allen's game. His game is, he has really good instincts. He knows exactly what he needs to do when he gets out onto the field. And when he's able to do that, when he's able to set the tone uh, for this Penn State defense, because that's really his role. Brandon Bell does this. Uh, Jason Cabinda does this. We definitely saw this. But Allen is the kind of guy who, when he is really involved and really active and going up and just hitting dudes, he's a difference maker. And when we get a chance to see that, when he does that, 
he does really, really, really well. And and he, he yeah. electrifies the team, too. Oh, absolutely. Like, I don't think... There's a reason yeah. he's one of the first guys. He's the reason he's on that front line with Franklin coming out of the locker yeah. room every game. I mean, think about... I don't know if... I mean, maybe Brandon Bell, but... Like, Bell and Cabinda and Allen are the three emotional leaders of that defense. At least it seems that way to me, in that when they're going well, they're just fired up, they're amped up, their performance goes to another level, and it makes Penn State really, really tough to beat. Uh, and of course, uh, on the offensive side of the ball, there aren't really... I mean, the offense had a very... Uh, it, it, it's big. It's big plays came... I mean, it's yards came on big plays. I mean, Nate Bauer uh, tweeted out some just absolutely ridiculous stat about how. Uh, let me see if I can find it really quickly. If not, whatever. I'll just. Well, while you it. do that, I'll say Penn here, State. Here it is. Penn State okay. had 276 yards of total offense. 285 of them were gained on 13 chunk plays. Like, we knew that for Penn State to beat Ohio State, one thing it was going to need to do was go out and just make huge, huge plays happen. And the Nittany Lions managed to do that. Yeah, the weird thing about this year's offense compared to last year's is that they do the same things really well. They just do them in a very different way. Like, last year's offense was one of the more inefficient offenses I think we've ever seen. But they knew how to get chunk and big plays like hack could throw the ball downfield yep. and Godwin and Gus would make plays for him and Sanders would break off big runs. And that's kind of what they're doing again this year. I mean, it looks yeah. different for sure, but Penn state again this year has been very, very inefficient on offense, which I think is a little bit surprising still to me, given the nature of what this offense is supposed to look like and what we kind of saw in the blue white game. I know that's a very small sample size, but they I mean, pretty clearly focusing on like six yard out routes. I mean, it looked very much like a like a Bill O'Brien, like a Patriots offense. And um, but yeah, it's it's just interesting to see that the offense coordinators could not be more different, but the results, the way they're getting results, is still kind of similar. Yeah, I mean, looking at the passing S and P plus numbers, Penn State is one hundred and third in success rate, but fourth in ISO PPP. Like, that's the mark of an offense that is, like we said, inefficient, but when it's able to make a big play, it makes a really, really big play. And, again, we saw that against Ohio State. Um, but I think the thing that we saw the most out of Ohio State was we've seen that Penn State's offense is capable of hanging up points on defenses that aren't littered with NFL talent. I mean, if you go down the schedule, 33 against Kent State, 39 against Pitt, 34 against Temple. 29 against Minnesota, 38 against Maryland. Uh, the two rough games were against Michigan and Ohio State, and Michigan and Ohio State's defense are just littered with four- and five-star recruits, guys who are going to be playing on Sundays, stuff like that. So the big question was, how is the defense going to come along? Would the defense be able to catch up to the offense a little bit? And we saw on Saturday that it looks like that's happened. Uh, and the numbers reflect that uh, by S&P+. Plus, Penn State is 36th in offense and 14th in defense looking at the record probability uh there's a three percent chance that penn state finishes seven and five 18 eight and four 43 nine and three 35 10 and two if penn state wins out which it will it will have a share of the big 10 division championship uh but 
Michigan or Ohio State is almost certainly going to go on to play in Indianapolis against the representative from the Big Ten West. So, Nick, as you and I look through this schedule, Purdue, Rutgers, both, they should be almost definite wins. Iowa feels very, very confident in that one being a win. Michigan State, with every passing week, I feel confident in that being a win. And Indiana doesn't seem like it's as good as we thought it was a few weeks ago. What do you think needs to happen for this team to go 10-2? and I think they need to, I mean, they need to avoid those mistakes uh, that come from inexperience. We've talked about how emotional this team is and how young they are. And for a team like that, they just need to be able to keep level heads and stay consistent. They're going to be very, very, very amped up. For probably the rest of the season after this win over Ohio State, they, I mean, they're they know what's going on. They know they have a shot at ten and two. They know that if things go wrong for Michigan, then they have a really, really good chance to win the Big Ten East. Yeah, and I think that they just need to make sure that they keep everything calm and composed and don't let the emotion of the moment take over too much. And kind of on uh, another note it would be really nice to see the offense become more efficient. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. They've gotten by on those big plays, yeah, and it's worked, but sometimes you need to just be able to methodically move the ball down the field, and they have been able to do that um, in a, a lot of the time. But just as a general rule, like for this Purdue game, for this Indiana game, this Rutgers game, this Michigan State game, you need to be able to just move the ball and just nice and calm, nice and easy, just build up the score and then coast in at the end. Iowa, I don't know if you'll get by on efficiency alone. You probably need some explosive plays. They're still a good defense. But, yeah, I'd like to see just a little more efficiency. Yeah, that makes two of us. And really, I think that's the one thing that can come to bite Penn State in the rear end. Like, if they fall behind against an Iowa and Indiana team and they're not able to, like, get those play like be they're too reliant on you know McSorley finding Godwin or Hamilton or someone else for 25 yards or Barkley ripping off a 10 to 15 yard run that could end up being a problem but as we what we saw this weekend what happens when the defense and we just said this when the defense plays to the level it's capable of playing and we've seen what the offense can do in games where the offense is able to move the ball if those two things are able not to be 100% there for the rest of the year, but to kind of be there for the rest of the year. Like, if we see 80% of the defense we saw on Saturday and 80% of the offense we saw against, say, Ohio uh, Pitt or Temple, I think there's a really good chance that Penn State ends up winning out going to a really good bowl game and giving all of us hope for next year. I mean, the Nittany Lions lose Brian Gaia on offense, and I believe that's it. And then the three guys we mentioned on defense, this team is going to be really, really good next year. And we've mentioned that we think that this was going to be a year where Penn State kind of had some growing pains, but still showed signs of being really, really good next year. Well, if Penn State's able to finish 10-2 and in the regular season, either 10-3 and or 11-2, and Uh, after bowl season we're talking about a team that's going to be ranked in the top 15 heading into 2017 a team that's going to have a top 15 to 20 recruiting class just there are so many reasons to be optimistic about the next five weeks of Penn State football that what like I was thinking and and terrified 
and terrified, yes. And I was thinking after the Ohio State game, like, how would I feel if Penn State lost out, you know, every single game considering, you know, they beat Ohio State, the number two team in the nation. And I, at first I went, you know what, I'd feel fine. But then I sat back and I went, wait a minute, this team has the potential to be really special. And there's nothing too terrifying in the way between now and the end of the season. So I think the only way this team doesn't win nine or ten games is if a serious injury happens or just something goes completely off the rails. And I think that we're in for a really good rest of 2016. Uh, we have to go. Nick has to go uh, do a Q&A with a future member of the Penn State football team. Uh, but we wanted to just give this little quick podcast where we kind of sat back and reflected on what we saw over the weekend. Thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, all the sites that you'll find the podcast on, you know them by now. Make sure you go there and you subscribe to all of them and give us a review on iTunes. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and buy a shirt. We put out a new shirt yesterday, and I'm telling you, those things are selling like hotcakes. So make sure you're going and buying our shirt to commemorate Penn State's win over Ohio State. And if you use the code WHITEOUT before Saturday, it will cost you $24.21 because, well, what else was it going to cost you? Uh, Yep. As always, thank you very much for listening. Nick, say bye, and then go talk to DJ Brown. Go, Sparty. Go, Sparty. Take care, y'all.